are right third grade parents welcome back to raise ready kids where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge skills character and purpose they need to thrive i'm bill jackson founder of raise ready kids and your host this month this month we're talking math and how with the new raise ready kids strategy you can play a major role in setting your child up for success with math in school and life this strategy called math banter is as powerful as it is fun and I'm excited to introduce it to you today. Before we get there though, I've got a math question for you. Ready? What is 183 plus 34? I'll wait a moment while you figure it out. 183 plus 34. All right, hopefully you got 217, but don't worry if you didn't. The important thing here is how you and how your child go about figuring out the answers to questions like this. Let's dig into that. So, assuming you didn't use a calculator, there are three basic techniques you could use to solve this problem. First, counting. You could start at 183 and literally count up 34 times. 184, 185, 186, 187, all the way up to 217. It's actually a super hard way to solve this problem because you've got to remember where you are along the way. Not recommended. Second, you could have this problem memorized. At least in theory you could. You could have memorized that 183 plus 34 equals 217, the same way you long ago memorized that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But this method is even less realistic. It's one thing to memorize 3 plus 4 equals 7, and 9 plus 9 equals 18, but 183 plus 34 is way too obscure. It's not practical to keep hundreds of number combinations in memory. So, my bet is that you solve this problem the third way, with number sense. Perhaps you recognize that 183 can be broken into 180 and 3, and 34 can be broken into 30 and 4. Then you added 180 and 30 to get 210, and then 3 and 4 to get 7, and then you added everything together to get 217. Or maybe you thought of 34 as three tens and a 4, so you incremented 183 by 10 three times, 193, 203, 213, and then you added 4, and that got you to 217. Both of these ways are completely fine, and there are other ways to do this problem using number sense. If you solve this problem with number sense, you have a certain fluency with numbers. You can see numbers as combinations. You can break numbers down into parts and combine and reassemble those parts to solve problems. Number sense is the foundation of mathematical performance in daily life, as well as higher level mathematics. Say you're a carpenter. You need enough plywood for a wall 24 feet long by 10 feet high. Plywood comes in 4 by 8 sheets. How many sheets are you going to need? Or you're running a small business with 60000 in the bank, 30000 in monthly expenses, and 20000 in monthly revenue. How long do you have before you run out of money? Or you're driving and you see a sign saying you've got 230 miles to go to your destination and you're going 70 miles an hour. How long is it going to take you to get there? If you have the number sense to solve these kinds of problems quickly and easily, your brain is free to move on to other important issues, like what kind of plywood you're going to buy, how you can increase revenue at your small business, or where you're going to stop for dinner. 
Number sense is what kids need to thrive in math, and the sooner they get it, the sooner they can turn their attention to higher level math, and the better prepared they will be for the many problems they'll encounter that can benefit from mathematical reasoning. Back in the 1990s, two English researchers named Eddie Gray and David Tall studied the different ways that 7 through 12-year-old kids were solving simple addition problems like 17 plus 8. They found that the kids who were rated as above average in math by their teachers were generally using number sense to solve simple addition problems. The below average kids, on the other hand, were not using number sense. They were trying to count and memorize. What this and other research shows is that high-achieving math students don't so much know more than low-achieving students. Rather, they work in different and more efficient ways. This is a super important point. Parents and teachers often think of lower-achieving kids as slower or less capable. But what if the biggest difference between kids who are low and high-achieving in math is not how smart they are, but how they think about and do math? Here's an analogy for you. Imagine two 10-year-old kids who were each asked to move a 25-pound rock 100 meters. One of the kids has a wagon and the other doesn't. We know which kid is going to get the job done sooner. Does that mean that kid is stronger? Of course not. It just means they've got better tools. Same idea with math. Just as the kid without the wagon has to work a lot harder than the kid with the wagon, the kid who is counting and memorizing has to work much harder than the kid who is using number sense. Take a typical subtraction problem like 19 minus 15. Could you solve that by counting backwards 15 times from 19 down to 4? Sure, it's possible, but it would take quite a bit of effort. You've got to keep track of where you are in the counting down process. Not easy. And then what happens when problems get harder, like 195 minus 154? Not going to work. It's much easier to solve this problem using number sense. For example, you could break 15 into 10 and 5. 19 minus 10 is 9. Then, 9 minus 5 is 4. So a key difference between low-performing and high-performing students isn't how much they know or how hard they work. It's how they approach math. The high-performing kids are playing with numbers flexibly, and the low-performing kids are trying, and often failing, to count and memorize. Moreover, our two researchers, Gray and Tall, found that low-performing kids at age 7 and 8, the ones who use counting and memorization, often fail to make the transition to number sense. This means they may never develop the number fluency they need to succeed with higher-level math and to use math with ease in the real world. That's the bad news. The good news is that you have the power to help your child develop number sense just by verbally playing with numbers together with the Raise Ready Kid strategy I call math banter. Math banter is playful conversation about numbers. It's casual and even fun. Today I'm going to introduce you to three kinds of math banter, all of which will help you help your child develop number sense. Let me introduce the first type, number banter, with a bit of a philosophical question. What is six? Well, it's a concept that means six things, you might say, and that's true. You could define six by gathering six beans and counting them and saying, there, that's six. But six is something else too. It's the product of many different mathematical procedures. For example, five plus one is six, four plus two is six, and three plus three is six. In the realm of subtraction, 
7 minus 1 or 10 minus 4 both produce 6. In the realm of multiplication, 2 times 3 produces 6. And so on. 6 is a concept, but it is also the product of many different procedures. The capacity to switch between understanding 6 as a concept and as the product of different procedures is what children need in order to develop number sense. And you can help your child develop this capacity by playing number banter games at the right level of challenge. Start by pulling together a set of six objects and asking your child how many objects there are. Six, of course. Then you could ask, what are some other ways to express six? Five plus one you could offer. How about others? Guide and nudge your child to come up with many different ways of expressing six through addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. You can play a similar game deconstructing two and three-digit numbers. 27 becomes two tens and seven ones. 394 becomes three hundreds, nine tens, and four ones. The key is to make it fun for your child. It's number banter time, not math drill time. Do it when your child has the energy and inclination to focus. Play together, perhaps by giving each other challenges. Offer them challenges that aren't too easy or too hard. Model the process of deconstructing and reconstructing numbers and share in the pleasure of figuring things out. Don't press the issue if your child doesn't want to engage. Always keep things playful and light. The second type of math banter is problem-solving banter. This is where you practice solving problems with number sense at the right level for your child with an emphasis on finding multiple ways to solve one problem. Start with a fairly simple problem for a third grader, like 11 plus 14. When you first start problem-solving banter, you may want to model a solution yourself and then challenge your child to find a different solution. For example, 11 plus 14 can be thought of as 10 plus 15, or 11 plus 10 plus 4. Over time, you could move on to more challenging problems, like 15 times 7, which could be thought of as 10 times 7 plus 5 times 7 or 30 times 7 divided by 2. The key is to figure out your child's level and toss them Goldilocks problems, not too easy and not too hard, and then to challenge them to come up with several different ways to solve each problem. Once again, don't push this game when your child is not in the mood. Wait for an opportune time and draw your child in gently. If they don't bite when invited, you can do some problems yourself out loud. You can also try playing dumb and asking your child to instruct you in how to solve a particular problem that you know won't be too hard for them. Estimation banter, the third and final type of math banter, is another great way of helping kids develop number sense. Estimation banter is a bit more challenging, so you may want to wait until you've done quite a bit of problem-solving banter. With estimation banter, you're figuring out an approximate answer to a problem, not an exact one. When you start with estimation banter, you want to pick numbers that are difficult to work with that are near numbers that are easy to work with. For example, you could ask your child, what approximately is 49 plus 52? Answer, it's about 50 plus 50 or 100. What approximately is 391 plus 404? Answer, it's about 400 plus 400 or 800. What approximately is 3,006 plus 1,953? It's about 3,000 plus 2,000, or 5,000. What approximately is 397 times 50? 
Well, that would be 400 times 50, which is 20,000. Make sure your child understands that the purpose of this game is to get approximate answers, not exact answers. This is hard for some kids because they think that math is all about precision, about being exactly right. But you can explain that sometimes it's more important to be exactly right in math, but sometimes it's more helpful to be approximately right. It may help to give your child some examples of when you estimate in your daily life. Again, you need to find the right level for your child and gradually increase the difficulty of problems. As with the other approaches, bring a playful attitude and never push it on your child if they're not interested. Children should never think that math is a set of rules that they need to follow, says Stanford professor Joe Bowler, a leading expert on mathematics education. When you engage your child with math banter, you're helping them internalize the opposite idea. Math is playful, flexible, and pleasurable. The three types of math banter, number banter, problem-solving banter, and estimation banter give kids practice moving between seeing numbers as concepts and seeing numbers as the product of procedures. This ability is the foundation they need to make good use of math in daily life, as well as prepare for more advanced math in school. With math banter, you're building the foundation for mathematical reasoning by helping your child think flexibly. Try it out. Keep it lighthearted and be patient. Drop what doesn't work and double down on what does and enjoy. Mm-hmm.